War Room, the Hockey Podcast, back, episode 27. This week, we are discussing the Central Division as we close out our tour around the NHL. Uh, hockey season officially begins next week, is the season opener for everybody, or most of everybody. Actually, yeah, everybody will fall in at, throughout everybody next starts, week. Yeah, yeah Between right. Wednesday and Friday. Throughout next week, so... Season kicks off next week. Season's already kicked off in in places like the BCHL. Uh, kicking off in the NCAA in November. Dub started last dub, weekend. Dub started last weekend. So NHL has finally started. AHL camps have begun this week. Um, so we're we're finally closing out the off season. <laughs> but the off season isn't without without um, some headlines to start off with. Today, Justin Falk was traded. Yeah, to St. Louis for Joel Edmondson, uh, draft pick and uh, depth prospect. Yeah, Dominic Bach. Uh, You know, depth prospects and and depth picks. Uh, A little surprised to see Falk drag um, north of $6 million on a long-term deal. Um, At his age and his skill set, I was surprised to see uh, St. Louis do that. But I guess he, um, he fits into that system pretty well. They don't have the most mobile guys going uh, on defense. Very solid, obviously, cup winners, all of them, but um, not built around an overly quick defense, for sure. Justin Justin Falk and a fifth-round pick in 2020 for Joel Edmondson, Dominic Bach, and a seventh-round pick in 2021. Right. Um, Part of the stipulation was on the trade that he... That that the team who signed the trades for him... He will sign with them. Got him signed, um, yeah. And they signed him long-term. That was a bit of a salary dump from Carolina. They're defense-heavy, and he was going to he's going to be asking too much for them. So St. Louis could fit him in and, and did so, and I think he'll, he'll be okay there. He'll be in a good role. Braden Point finally signed bridge deal in Tampa. Three years, $6.75 million. The question, the question circulating that is, do we put too much on the idea that one or two guys set the market for RFAs? And well, if so, if so, does this does Braden Point now set the market for the rest that are unsigned? Marner set it no. first. Now Point comes in at a bridge deal, less than seven million. A forty point, a forty goal guy coming in at less than seven million. Bridge, bridge deal or not, does it now? Does that now set the market for a guy like um, Rantanen, which we'll talk about in the Central Division today, who wants Marner comparable? Yep, Connor and Liney. Avalanche only offer eight point five, which was the last offer I saw. Does the point signing help from an organizational standpoint for Sackick? In Rantanen's position, for example. I understand Rantanen only to be asking for nine and a half. And at that level, I don't know why he's not under contract and in camp already. And that's for long term. If he wanted nine and a half on three or four years, I could understand it. But if he wants nine and a half at term, why not lock him up? And he will, he'll be a long-term fit there and a real must as he signs with Landy and, and McKinnon. The, the league's GMs are miffed at Dubas for upending the market for Marner and the agents and players are probably on the surface not happy with the with the signing of point but you got to remember the the 
significant percentage of savings that a guy gets for playing in Tampa. Low cost of living, no state taxes. You could attribute probably a 10% haircut to playing in Tampa, which is exactly why Hedman and Johnson and Palat and Stamkos and Vasilevsky all look like they've signed under market because of the cost of living, because of the state taxes. So he, I would say he did definitely didn't ruin the market. He should have pretty well set it, but I think he probably took a haircut for the obvious reasons, the mathematical ones. And morally, he knows that he's in a place now where he can succeed long-term and play with fantastic players for many, many years and have a chance to win. Everybody ought to, I mean, that should be worth something to everybody. Ask Jerome McGinley. Now, the question will remain since we're a week away from the start of the season. How many of the remaining RFAs, Lyonnais, Connor, Rantanen, Kachuk being the four big ones, how many of them go unsigned as of the start of the year? I, I missed it uh, a week or two ago on the, uh, on the podcast. I missed it with Marner. I thought Marner might be difficult. He was heading for Switzerland, and I thought, well... Okay, he's not going to get there. He may he may go all the way through camp. He may go into the fall and not be around. You never know about these guys. A phone call later, and they're on a plane, and they're in you know getting ready to go to camp and get started playing. I don't know why they're not signed. In the case of Liney, I understand it. I don't get it with Connor. They've got plenty of cap space now. Unfortunately, with Bufflin out of the lineup, and we'll get to that roster soon, but. These guys ought to be falling into place because, remember, just in easy numbers, if a guy signs for $10 bucks, that cap hit is spread over 82 games. If he signs in and goes to camp or goes to the roster in December the way Willie did last year, his that same $10 bucks is now spread over about 60 games. He gets this, it's a much bigger cap hit. So you got to be able to absorb the extra money. Now the player's making a sacrifice because he's not getting into the lineup and not getting his game legs ready. And the team has got to make sure that if they wait until December, that they can still fit that cap hit in because that $10 million in September becomes 12 and a half or 13 if you wait until December to put him under the cap. So that's, that's why... There's so much pressure on getting this done now. To answer the question, who knows? I don't think I don't think Kachuk's camp or Rantanen, I don't think uh, Treliving or Sackick, I don't think anybody knows when it's going to get done. Well, transitioning BCHL uh, mentioned it on social media. Um, another another week, another player to player or team to watch this week is uh, Danny Waite in Penticton. Six games in, he's got an average of a goal a game. Six games in, he's six goals, four assists, 10 points, 12 penalty minutes. Um, committed to only playing in Penticton this season as he's committed to Boston College next year. Uh, son of NHL great Doug Waite. Yep. Uh, so he's make, he, he, along with uh, DePaolo, Niedermeyer, yep. guys like that, uh, Sillinger um, in Penticton, uh, but he is he is this week's player to watch. Yeah. Um, started six six and zero oh, Penticton V's. They've started off six six wins zero losses. 
uh, first place, and uh, he he is off to just as fast of a start with uh, 10 points in six games. He's looking good, making himself some money, that kid. Uh, do I understand right that we are broadcasting live from the BCHL Showcase next week in Chilliwack? We are. Next week, next week War Room is traveling to Chilliwack, where we will be um, broadcasting on-site, live. Well, can't say live. Live would mean it's not recording. People are listening as we're talking. We'll be live. Um, we'll be live. Yes. We'll be there live in person. Um, <laughs> the recording won't be, um, so... Let, let me correct that. We won't be live, but we will be on location in Chilliwack. Beautiful Chilliwack, uh, BC. Chilliwack. Two days in Chilliwack for um, the first part of the BCHL showcase. And then we will be on location in Penticton for the final two days. Yep. Uh, so we will be putting out, um, we will be recording two episodes to cover the BCHL showcase. 16 games in four days. 16 games, four days, two episodes to cover the BCHL showcase. One will come out the week of, and the final one, covering the the close of the showcase and recapping, will come out the following week. Uh, so both will not be coming out week of, but recording two episodes on location for the BCHL showcase, starting in Chilliwack next week, October 2nd and 3rd. Road trip. <laughs> Before anything, hit the subscribe button, rate and review, and settle in for number episode episode number twenty seven of War Room, the Hockey Podcast. For anything warm, the hockey podcast presented by North Paw Media. Um, proud to work with and alongside of Breakaway Brewing, finest and handcrafted craft beer in the Okanagan, as well as Ryan Walter and RyanWalter.com. Ryan Walter, former NHL great uh, turned actor and insp- <laughs> inspirational guru, if you will, with his leadership uh, retreats and uh, leadership conferences. Uh, RyanWalter.com for weekly and daily inspiration, as well as weekly and daily life lessons. Um, tremendous, tremendous friend, tremendous guy, and he is um, the go-to for leadership qualities, not only in the locker room, on the ice, on the field, but also in a boardroom or in an office. So Ryan Walter and RyanWalter.com. I'm taking nothing away from Wally and what he does, and he is he is the best there is at it. There is so much inspiration and team building and and uh, leadership and motivation going on at Breakaway Brewing as well that we really need to uh, we need to give them a shout out because they 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 play a vital role in those kind of uh, in those kind of activities. So not to be overlooked there. <laughs> well, anyways, Warm Hockey Podcast episode number twenty seven. This week, closing out the tour of the NHL with the Central Division. We're going to open things up here with um, the Nashville Predators, who've been top of the not only the division but the Western Conference for the past number of years. Um, they look poised to do it again. The question will be whether they are successful in doing so. Um, but with an addition, 
departure of P.K. Subban, um, but an addition of Matt Duchesne to shore up the middle of the ice. Um, they are at least at least on paper, and we say that every week, but at least on paper they look poised you got to hand be, it to to at least compete for the tops of not only the Western Conference but the division again. Yep. And, and they are they've got 12 of 12 forwards that are as good as any roster on the same team. They they're just like Tampa. They are so deep up front, they can roll four, not give up anything defensively, not give up an, a whole lot even from a uh, from scoring potential. They are fully four deep on defense and we'll get to that in a minute they've got uh, two fine goaltenders you gotta tip your hat to david poyle he's been there for since they dropped the puck in nashville and once he got that pipeline built he has been that that is a miserable place to try to get come out of two points with with two points of in the entire league and it's that way every year and for a guy to sustain that the way, for instance, Doug Wilson has in San Jose, uh, th- that's just a that's a masterful job. Like staying competitive, never tears it down to rebuild, never goes through the ups and downs. He's just tough every year. Salute to that. But they did shore up the middle of the ice, which was a a question for them yep. by adding Duchesne. For sure. Um, but they've got they've got good depth. They've got one of they've got one of the best forward groups up front depth wise. Yeah. Um, and they continue to do it every year. Um, and Nick Benino, yeah. um, Rocco Grimaldi's proven to be a good bottom six guy. He's found a nice home um, there. They've got Col- some bangers. They've Colton Sissons, Sissons and uh, Salamaki. Yeah. Um, Craig Smith. So they're, they're, uh, they're not only, uh, deep, but they, they prove that that depth can also contribute, which yeah. is key. And, um, and then, and then on top of the back end, they've got youngsters like Dante Fabro coming up. Well, that's that's you know we talk about this every week uh, or have been the last while well, we're talking about the uh, division by division. Every team has got somewhere some some teams like this one has one and and Fabro's their guy. Some of them, uh, like for instance Colorado, Anaheim might have four, five, six of them that if they have that breakout year, if they play to their potential. Uh, they change everything in the way you view your cap, in the way you bargain with your next batch of restricted or unrestricted free agents, the way you set up your depth chart. They change everything about your roster. And Fabro's one of them. If he steps into that top four role and plays with the same kind of defensive capability as P.K. Subban, which is no offense to P.K., it's not that hard to do. Uh, he really, really changes things. Now you can put Yannick Weber and Dan Hamhuis in the third pair, and that changes a lot. So he's a key guy. Uh, they are real strong on the back, and that forward group, Evan. They've got they've got proven big time scorers, and they've got some guys that can that can play in the corners. It's really well rounded. And if you've got if you got Kyle Turris on your third line. Hats off to your depth. I ask you every week, what's their their uh, pipeline look like, though? To me, that's the key. Because to me, I look at Nashville and they're they're tremendous. But I look at um, Nashville and guys like um, Pecorine, who's the other side of thirty four. Yeah. Um, forward group who's not getting any younger, um, and there's not a lot in the forward group 
under the age of 25. No. And so, you know, I hate to beat the, um, the window horse to death every week, but, (laughs) but it's a valid question to ask what, not only what's their, what's their window look like, but what's their, then they go hand in hand, but what's their pipeline look like? Cause you got to have guys once, once Johansson either caps out and doesn't fit the structure anymore or ages out and Forsberg, who's still young, uh, Duchesne and these guys start to head that direction, Pecorine, um, things like that. You need guys that can step in and fill those holes without setting you back. And this is, they have to presume that they're, if you, if you refer to that as the window, which you, you know, you bring up the window question every week there, the majority of their team is from 27, 28 North. So at that point, so does that mean they've got maybe a three to five year window? Max. Max. They've got two or three because in, at the end of 2021, they have got a huge, they got a busload of guys coming up as UFA. And that's not restricted free agents. These guys are free to walk. And that's Granlund. It's Craig Smith. It's the depth guys like Watson and Grimaldi, uh, Frederick Goudreau. And keep in mind, uh, end of 21 means the start of the transition with the expansion draft. Because that's the summer of the expansion draft as well. So. Well, you're not only looking at UFAs for Nashville, you're also looking at decisions with the UFAs, but also decisions on who to protect. Who to protect because now you've, for Seattle. Because now that summer, the end of 2021, which is not this coming season, but the next season, you're now transitioning into, you're now several weeks away come the end of Stanley Cup Finals from the expansion draft. And at that point, you have already need to have decisions made on not only UFAs and even RFAs, but who you're protecting. And to go back to your pipeline question, though, they've got one blue chip prospect, and that's Ellie Tolvanen. And beyond him, there is anybody else that emerges as a top 4D or a top 6 forward, anybody beyond Tolvanen who emerges in that capacity is a surprise. That's all there is to it. And that comes from... Ooh, gosh, a lot of trades for top-end talent and a lot of years, many years of picking at the bottom end of the round. So they, this, this year, next year, I would say they're going to have to, they're going to have to make their Stanley Cup noise between now and the end of the 2021 year. Yeah. Well, from a team that, ha- that uh, has questions in the next couple years to a team that I argue has questions now, and that's uh, the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I don't want to I don't want to undercut them too much. No. Um their coach is an amazing coach. He's fantastic. Mo is wonderful. Yeah. Um they've got Shifley, they've got Wheeler. Uh they've got Nikolai Ehlers. they've got yep. um, Brian Little, um Adam Lowry who's no slouch. Right. Um great kid. I mean Kyle on, Connor on the, and Lonnie on the back end they've got Nathan Beaulieu, who's a good middle pairing guy. Um, and then they've got um, Hellebuck, who's proven to be a number one goaltender. Yep. What Foundationally, if you're going off of that, they look okay. But the problem is with Winnipeg, 
is in the offseason, you lose Tyler Myers. You lose Jacob Truba. Now ben you Chirot. have Ben Chirot. Now you have two RFAs who re- remain unsigned. Yep. And we won't we won't get into the debate of whether it's them or the organization that's playing hard no. to get. The point is two RFAs that are unsigned. And now you have Big Buff on the back end, Dustin Bufflin, who is contemplating his future, air air quotes, and that's not to step on anything he's dealing with personally, but you look at all of that, and then looking at their roster, with exception of um, Neil Pionk on the back end, who did they add? Well, Josh Morrissey is a solid top pair D. He's a he's a young kid. He's proven and he's under contract for the long term. Kulikov, we'll see. He's a he's supposed to be a high end guy. He'll get a chance to do that this year. As will Pionk mm-hmm. and Nathan Beaulieu. Tucker Poolman uh, is twenty six. Got some some experience. Sammy Niku is the only is at twenty two. Is another guy that has got some NHL experience and these guys are going to be relied on relied on heavily because let's say Bufflin doesn't come back between Myers Bufflin Ben Sherratt and Truba they lost 85 out of 120 minutes on D from last year that's what I mean I'm not trying to undercut anything here but from 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 a Shifley or Wheeler or or a Morrissey or anything like that, but they what I mean is what, who have they added in terms of keeping up in the central and keeping up in the West that teams are doing. You look at other teams in the central, particularly, which is what we're covering this week, right. like Colorado for Colorado being a main example. They had a tremendous off season. What if, what has Winnipeg added to counteract the subtractions to keep up in the in the West and in the Central? And aside from who they got back for Truba in Pionk and maybe an up and coming guy like Sammy Niku, I mean, who's who's the who's the guy? And they added I mean, they added Gabriel Bork, who proved to be a good fourth line healthy scratch every now and then yeah. add add some energy guy, but Aside from that, who did they bring in? Nobody. And, and so, is... and so now you've got now you've got not only Sherratt, Truba, potentially Bufflin and Myers, your top four defensemen last year all out gone. this year yep. gone. And who's going to take up those minutes aside from the kids? And I mean, so and same with Kyle Connor. Kyle Connor's a your top line winger. And line A, top six. These who are, who are they bringing in that can not only fill those holes pr- productively and efficiently, but can fill in the holes in a way which is what you want with depth, and that is in a way where it's where you don't miss the guy that's no longer there. Look, if there's two things have to happen here, this is a this is a big, fast, solid, well built team until the end of last season. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that defense core started leaving town, and now you can't sign Liney and Connor, this team cannot compete in the Central. As much as I like Shifley and Wheeler and Brian Little and Matthew Perot and Adam Lowry, as much as I like those guys, if they don't have Liney and Connor, 
And if Kulikov, Pionk, Bolu, and Niku, Tucker Pullman don't step into big league roles and do it immediately, this team simply can't compete. Then they are going to get pushed around every night. It's going to be tough. Now, we've talked about Winnipeg over the last two or three seasons underachieving, being built really well and not achieving to their potential. Maybe this is the fire that gets lit under guys to say, we can't win because we're good on paper anymore. We have to beat everybody every night. And honestly, you've seen them play a lot because you watch the Central Division a lot. This team does not always care. And they take a lot of dumb penalties over the years, and they don't always really look interested. So maybe this is what it takes. They do not have a lot of blue chippers in their pipeline. I don't, I don't like where they're headed. If they don't find uh, a diamond in the rough on defense, and if they don't get these two RFAs signed, it's going to be real tough sledding in Winnipeg this year. I mean, and it's a shame. It is. They did make a smart decision. The decision to, um, and I'm, I hope, and I, I say I hope, I know they did. They're professional enough to do it. Um, they sat down with Bufflin and they made it, and they made it known to him that we are not questioning that you're going through something. We are, we are supportive of you. We back you when whatever you decide to do. So lo- so long as you understand that we still have a team to put on the ice and we still have to do what we need to do. And in that regard, they m- did make one smart decision, and that was suspending Bufflin. You suspend it's smart because it because it it puts the ball in his court. Right. He now ha- he now has to make the decision. And, and it frees up your cap. And, it, and if he doesn't report by October third when they open the season. October 2nd or 3rd, then his cap comes off. Right. And now that frees up some cap space. And that right there is the smart decision. Because if you go, well, we're not going to suspend him because he's technically not done anything wrong. Well, now he could not report until February. And his cap space is, if at all, and his cap hit is still... It's wasted. It's it's wasted. Yep. and it's So in that regard, that was a smart decision. I, I liked that decision to suspend him. Well, they didn't have any choice. He's earned the right because of his career. He's earned the right to say, I need to figure out my personal issues. And irrespective of what those issues might be, it doesn't matter. But the the team also has every right to protect itself. And the one thing they do have going for them is a lot of cap space. Now, with that in mind, there are no turnaround guys out there that are available right now that are not already on a PTO someplace. But if you're talking about shoring up your defense core for the likes of Truba and Bufflin and, and Sherratt, if you're talking about shoring up on defense with PTOs and waivers, good luck. Same with Kyle and uh, Kyle Connor and Patrick Liney. So if, if they cannot get this fixed, it's going to be real trouble. And I've always admired Sheveldayoff for the way he just stayed the course. Not a lot of big trades, not a lot of big activity in the offseason for this guy. Not a trade deadline guy like, uh, oh, I don't know, like uh, like New Jersey Devils or something like that, like Ray Shero. But these are just, you know, he stays the course at his own peril now because when guys like Myers start signing away, 
And Bufflin says he's maybe going to walk away from the game. Ouch. Now I'm stuck. Well, added pressure now in Winnipeg. Oh, boy. Because they come back after being in Atlanta, and how many years go by, and they can't even make the playoffs. And then when they do, they, they get swept, and they can't win a playoff round. And then they finally do, and they make it to the second round, and all looks like it's looking up for Winnipeg. And now it's uh, it's not. So talk about pressure, not only from a, a city and fan base perspective, but internally. Man. And I've been rooting for him. Listen, I, all this being said, I say it being a Winnipeg Jets fan. I like Mo. I like what they've done. I like the roster. I've been hoping that they could bring at least a third round or so to that city, if not a real serious cup run. But boy, it's going to be tough right now. Lots to lots to get fixed before that happens. Ooh. Well, moving on to the defending Stanley Cup champion, St. Louis Blues. <laughs> we just mentioned them in our headline to open things this week. Um, moving on from Joel Edmondson um, and bringing in Justin Falk. We've mentioned on the podcast in weeks past our trepidation for... Trading for Justin Falk, if you are some teams, do you like the trade for for St. Louis for to add Justin Falk? I am not a big, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I don't want to say I'm not a big fan of Justin Falk. I he's not a guy that I would go out and try to find. That's just not a guy that I would say, boy, we need to get Justin Falk if we're gonna if we're gonna stay competitive. We got to have Justin Falk. That's I, I'm not one of those guys. The Bach kid is actually got some pretty good upside. Uh, skilled guy, maybe a couple of years away, especially uh, the way Carolina's built up front. But I don't know. I mean, I Falk for Edmondson at a much higher at a much higher hit. No, not a big. Did, when I saw that, I didn't think. Well, that's it for St. Louis. They're going to be good again this year. I, I think they will. I think they're rock solid. They know how to win, and they've got everything going for them because they didn't make many changes. And it's not like it's a downgrade to Falk. Just not a not a deal breaker. Not not a pivotal guy. He'll be uh, uh, probably at the bottom end of that D unless he really surprises probably everybody. But at six million dollars, that's a lot of dough for a guy that's that's not named Drew Doughty or you know Eric Carlson. Man. Well, they lost the hometown boy, Pat Maroon. He's in Tampa, Yep. Um, which is surprising. I was convinced he was finally home with his son. He was finally where he was born, raised, and grew up. He was back being able to be at home with his, his son and be around him more. And back home, and we all know what being back home feels like and what, what it means. And I was sure he finally got his Stanley Cup. I was sure... <laughs> that either St. Louis would bring him back in on a minimum or he'd transition to a a front office scout type yeah. of guy and still could I'm I'm with you I'm surprised he left town because he's almost a league minimum guy he's a depth guy but he'll come back I'm sure he'll come back no no question but to to have another chance I guess he's got a chance to win in both places don't not looking down my nose at Tampa by any means but I was surprised to see him go. Unless they just like, how can you be that far off if you're 
playing for 900 or a million three or something. How can you be that far away from getting it done? Yeah. Anyway, they're, they're really strong again. It's What's the same team that finished up in June. There, the question for me then, because they look strong again, is um, what their pipeline looks like. Um, because they are um, kind of like Nashville. They're Ryan O'Reilly and Schwartz and Bozak and Perron and these guys. They're, the they're not youngsters. Of, they're the other side of 28. Yep. I mean, uh, Petrangelo, these guys, you know, Colton Pareko is, is a good youngster, but what do, what do they have coming up that can fill those spots once those guys f- either leave or fade out? Well, if I'm looking for Robbie Fabry to have a healthy year. If Robbie Fabry and Robert Thomas both stay healthy and stay in the lineup all year long, these are the guys that are coming along uh, to backfill some of the older players. Sammy Blaze looked really good in the spring. And here's a name for you to watch for. Jordan Cairo has not cracked the roster yet, but he is a full-on player. And unless he completely washes out of his potential, he's going to be, um, he's going to come up to the middle and he'll be the next, um, he'll be in line for the, for the uh, Bozak job, no doubt. So I like him. I like Clem Costin coming along. Um, those are those are a couple of forwards you can count on. They've got uh, they've got three or four defensemen. Jake Dotchin that they picked up from Tampa. Um, Jake Wallman, twenty three year old kid. You know these are guys that if they and they got Borgman from from the uh, Maple Leafs uh, over the off season. So who knows? Uh, but they're right now they're in perfectly good stead. This is the same team that finished up holding the cup. So not uh, no reason to think that they won't. I guess the only question mark for me is how, where do you turn if, if Bennington has a long-term lower body injury, one of those 25 or 30 game deals? Now what do you not, do? I'm not overly sold on Jake Allen. I don't think even Jake Allen is sold on Jake <laughs> Allen. I don't know. I don't know where you turn and I don't think they've got NHL ready goaltending in their system at this point, but we'll see. And maybe Jake Allen just needed a little less pressure to deal with for a while. Who knows? He had a great junior career, but we'll see. Anyway, I like them, again, to be about as good as anybody once you have that experience. The biggest question, really, beyond goaltending, beyond the kids coming along, the big question in St. Louis, has Brett Hull sobered up yet? Do you think, where where do you think he is? I haven't seen him on, uh, uh, on anything on YouTube lately. Is he got in together well he's like ovechkin he's partying until <laughs> until right up to tra- to training camp so <laughs> he doesn't but he's, at least he's, he doesn't have to report he doesn't have the age of, of ovechkin to where he can just he can par- party one night show up to camp the next day and and still perform oh, so god he but, was a, he was a riot i am he may have he may have pushed that deal a little too far, but what a what an absolute riot it was watching him enjoy that cup run. Wow. How do we feel up the highway ways about Chicago? Well, better. I mean, it's a it's a much so. better team than uh, than what finished up last year. They made some they made some great uh, some I shouldn't say great. They made some really good acquisitions in the offseason. Now, does that mean they're a playoff team then? Because 
you said they're better than they were last year and or the, the way they finished and if they're better than the way they finished and they had a good push at the end to try credit where credit's due they had a good push at the end to try and squeak into the playoffs if they're better than that does that mean they're a team that can squeak in this year goaltending if if Robin Leonard is the same Robin Leonard as last year and Corey Crawford is healthy and as capable as we know he is uh, throughout the last few years of his career, then they can absolutely compete probably for a wild card spot because of the quality of the rest of the West. But they, uh, you know, they really, they really got bigger and stronger picking up Zach Smith. They brought back Andy Shaw, uh, brought back Brandon Saad. Perlini is a gem. I've always liked that kid and, and want to see more of him. DeBrinket and Strom uh, are really making the front end look good. Drake Kajula might find himself away now at 25. You know, up front, they might be okay. And, uh, and listen, on the back, picking up uh, Calvin DeHaan and Oli Mata, that's a big deal. Calvin DeHaan is a really good defender, and, uh, and Mata is very, uh, very mobile. So those guys are good, and they're going to take a lot of pressure off of Seabrook and Keith along with maybe Slater Cuckoo, um, you know, pretty good. Uh, you know, they're a, they're a B-minus team all the way up and down. So it comes down to heart, it comes down to bounces. I do like them to squeeze in the playoffs over um, teams we've already mentioned, like L.A. and things like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, the, there's going to be some teams that just struggle. And the, and the good news for the Blackhawks is, the the central is just not as good as it was three or four years ago, um, and and taking nothing away from the St. Louis Blues, that's you know that's a fantastic thing what they've done, uh, but Nashville's good. Minnesota's going to struggle. We'll get to them. Uh, Avalanche are going to be awesome. The Dallas Stars uh, and the Blackhawks, I think, are going to be in the middle of that pack, making sure that you know they they play to their potential and get. A wild card spot. Well, speaking of Minnesota, <laughs> this one for me is easy. This is this may this won't take as long as the other teams, I think, because it's quite an easy description and an explanation. Trouble, <sighs> trouble. That's all there is to it. We it's talked about it the other night dur- during the preseason action. The other night, they're they're the one team. They're one of very few teams, if not the only team that takes pre, treats preseason like it's the way a lot of people do at drop-in treating it like it's the be-all end-all I and mean, they put their they put their stars out there all six games every game and playing big minutes i mean for crying out loud ryan Suter the other night was played like finished the pre, pre-season game with like 28 minutes played and and, Come on. Uh, and on the PK and everything like that. And it's like, do you not yeah, yeah. know yet that Ryan Suter is going to make the team that he's like, why does he need to get in shape? Is that the Dubnik deal? has already played, I think three or four of the games. Well, I like mean, you said about drop in, maybe this whole team is tries too hard guy. Well, I mean, Dubnik's already played three or four of the preseason games there. Yeah. There are three preseason games. And I think, I think he's played, if not two of the three, he's played two of three or three of four, however many they've played. Suter's played 28 minutes a game. Parisi 
Stahl, Koivu, who's healthy after a knee injury, and these guys are all stepping in and playing big minutes in how many in all of these games. At what point do you do you let the prospects show what they can do? Or is it a telltale sign that they don't have much of a pipeline, which is why you have no choice but to put those guys in every night because otherwise you wouldn't be able to put a team on the ice during preseason. Well, I don't know. I, I honestly, I cannot explain why Gabby is not playing the kids. I would think that you'd want to take guys like Jordan Greenway and Luke Coonan and, and uh, you know, I mean, he just take pull out some of your depth guys. Gabriel Dumont, uh, that's still messing around at 28, Give these guys a chance to play. I mean, save the mileage on Suter and Parisi uh, and Dubnik and guys like that. Golly, let uh, let somebody else have a shot at it. But I'm not I'm not seeing blue chips in their system. I don't know where they go. I as I said a couple of weeks ago, nothing against the guys, nothing against the franchise or the town. I don't like to take shots at anybody, but this is a team that is is on. They're on the downhill side of this roster, and it's not. It doesn't look like it's going to be. Uh, there's any any place for hope of a quick rebound. I don't see it. They've got a couple of kids that you have to like here. Uh, maybe Matt Dumba being the best of the bunch. Erickson Eck, we'll see. Uh, golly, I don't know. Kevin Fiala, like where do you turn for real optimism? I don't. I don't see it. I mean, Dubnik's thirty-three, Suter's thirty-four, Parisi's thirty-four. I mean, it's just. There, I'm Zuccarello's thirty-two. I mean, I'm just. Lo- I'm looking down at this. Eric Stahl's thirty-four. I mean, I'm, I'm looking down at this, and I I hate in today's NHL to put so much onus on age, but it's just you look at it, and. All their guys that they've counted on so heavily so far this preseason, and they count on so heavily every night, is on the other side of 30. And at some point, the weight's got to be taken off. Not that they can't do it, but the weight's got to be taken off and counteracted a bit to where for every five minutes of play that these guys get on the ice, uh, a blue-chip prospect, a a boldy who was just drafted here, yeah, you know, down, obviously not this year, but d- down the road, things like that get two, two and a half minutes for every five minutes that a Parisi plays because it 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 means that not only these guys are blue chip prospects that can come up and fill these spots, but it takes it takes the weight off of a stall and a Parisi and a and a Suter and a Dubnik and save and these guys the that can save the mileage and save wear and tear and add depth. That's ultimately the point that I'm making is that there's no depth. Well, I don't see a lot, I don't see a lot of depth. No, there is Parisi, not. Parisi, Zucker, and Stahl all, if I remember correctly, is their top line. You add Zuccarello and Ryan Hartman, and Greenway is is a big bodied guy. He's no slouch. And Rask, Felino, you know. But really, I mean, look at look at who's their top six. Their top six is over the age of thirty three, and then you bring in guys like you have guys like Greenway, who's no slouch, but 
can he produce like game and, breaker? Um, no, no game. It's just no. I, I, I to I me, don't see it. They're the team, right? If before we get to the end here and and give our final standing of where these teams, where we think they'll fall, let me throw out a spoiler. They're they're my team that just I I don't lottery. I don't see it. Lottery. The best thing that could happen to this team, and again, I take nothing against a guy like Zach Breezy who plays his heart out. I've always been a Zuccarello fan. Uh, Eric Stahl's a great guy. Marcus Felino, and go down the list, and they've got some really nice players in this in this system. But the best thing that can happen to this franchise is if they just simply cannot get a break all year long, and they have a lottery pick. They need a couple of top five picks to try to get this thing rebuilt, and then maybe on top of that, you can take a guy like. I don't know, uh, take a guy like Fiala or Stahl even, or, uh, you know, take a defenseman like Spurgeon or somebody or Brodeen at 26. Take these guys and turn them into a couple more high picks. Trade them to a, trade them to a contender at the deadline and get a, get a couple of picks out of them and rebuild it because you, you've got no place to go but either straight across or down with where, where they are right now. Yeah. Well, on the other side of that coin, uh, Colorado, um, Eric Johnson, Nikita Zadorov, and um, Pierre Edward Bellamar were all full participants in practice this morning for him, um, which is a positive sign there health-wise. Um, and they've sti- they've still got um, and Bednar is extremely high, I hear, on um, Shane Bowers through camp so far he was so he was another one of the uh kind of throw-ins on the matt duchene deal uh-huh. uh, with uh, sam gerard and shane bowers has got tremendous upside and they can be patient with him so yeah uh, you know i'll i'll sit back uh, like you did last week i'll sit back and let you do it but listen this team is built for right now they are extremely good today they're, they're good today. Be they're better built, they're in built the next two now, or three years. They're 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 built for now, but it's not it's not a sprint. Meaning they're no. they're built for now, but they're also built the way Chicago was in the early 2000, 2010s. And that is not only they're built for now, but they'll be able to to hopefully. I say hopefully because you never know with roster turnover and things. But they are built to sustain it for the next seven, eight years, I mean, moving forward. And I mean, and that's a credit to Joe Sackick. And I was early on in his tenure, I was very critical of him um, with the decisions or lack thereof that he he was making, um, papering over obvious holes in the lineup by bringing in a Jerome Ginla. And no, and I love Ginla, but he was not what the Avalanche needed Right, it no. kind of helped prolong things a bit, and so I ever since the Duchesne deal, I've been very high on Sackick and what he's been doing. You bring, you trade Duchesne, and you basically get back Shane Bowers, Sam Gerrard, two draft picks, which turn out to be Kale McCarr and Bowen Byram. Right. You add this off season. Last year, you add a Matt Calvert who is one of the best indis- guys. indispensable. Yep. He, he is, he is, 
in my opinion, if I'm running this team, he gets a he gets an A on his sweater. He's yeah. that type of guy. You bring in this year, you bring in Burakovsky. Great move after bringing in Grubauer last year, who's taken over for Varlamov, who's now on in Long Island. You bring in uh, Belmar, tremendous penalty killer. Eats up the hard minutes. Yep. Great energy. And he knows how to win because he went from a, a Philadelphia Flyers team that made it to the Stanley Cup final to a Vegas team who has been lights out since mm-hmm. their induction into the league. Solid. And to now a, a fourth line role here in Colorado. They bring in Don Scoy, who wasn't given op- the opportunity he probably deserved in San Jose. And now he's getting top six minutes. Yep. We'll see what he's got. You bring in, you clear some cap, and you bring in Nazem Kadri that gives you that second-line center behind Nathan McKinnon. Bang on. They are solid. And then you look at you look at prospects up front anyway. Prospects. I mean, guys that we talk depth, guys that can step in and fill in once a Burakovsky or a Calvert or is gone. Yeah. You look at these guys. A.J. Greer, who's having his best training camp since being a pro this year. Yep. Martin Kaut. Marty Kaut. Shane Bowers. Yep. Logan O'Connor. Logan O'Connor. Sheldon Dries proves to be a, a bottom six tremendous penalty killer. Vlad Kamenev, which is another guy in the Duchesne deal. Mm-hmm. It's, if he can stay healthy, he should have a big year. And that's just up front. Not not any, not even including if you can get Rantanen signed, and, and have, if and if Val Nichushkin can be can turn things around a, a little bit. Yep. And then on the back end, Callie Rosen, good pickup, came over in the Barry trade with with uh, Kadri. Connor Timmins is healthy, and looking really good, and looking good. Ryan Graves. Which I love, love Ryan Graves. Kid. Yep. Eric Johnson is healthy. Bowen Byram is going to get his nine game trial. Kale McCarr, we all saw Kale McCarr. Awesome. Zadorov, who's a big body. Sam Gerard. Sam Gerard. Again, no introduction needed there. Um, the guy I'm really interested in is Dan Renouf. Yeah, pretty gritty guy. He's a gritty guy. They brought him in this, this offseason. Um, and he's sticking it out here to the final round of cuts. Yep. Um, he's Big body good. kid, 6'2", 210-ish. I like that. Listen, I, I got I a couple see, of... I don't see a lot of holes. No. Goaltending. And I love good. Jared Bednar. Yeah, if they play for him. He's a, proving to be a, the type of... He's proven to be the type of coach that you can't ignore anymore. No, definitely not. I There's... We had a couple observations on the outside of this team looking in. As well as Sackick has managed the cap, and they don't have a single guy in the next two years, the only impact player they have to deal with, major league impact player, is Landy. That's it. Uh, other than that, they have no concerns over the cap, and they have like, what, $18, $19 million in cap space. Get Rantanen signed, get him in and get him playing. They've got a 
great cap space. They've done great job drafting. They have a tremendously good pipeline, front and back. There's only one thing that Joe Sackick sucks at, and it's the same thing as when he was a player. When he was rebuilding this team, he didn't communicate it. And as you know, everybody around this team and around the media that follows this team was calling for his hide because they had, what, 11 guys in the lineup every night that were waivers and PTOs back, uh, what, three years ago or so. They looked like they were completely coming unraveled, and he couldn't step up to the microphone and say a word. Like, well, okay, we're going to rebuild it. Just, to, you just relax. He struggled with the communication part. But what he, what he did, yeah. I don't care what he says, what he did was magic. He turned this team into an absolute winner, and they are a contender right now. And they're going to be a contender for the next five years. Actions speak louder than words, yes. One thing I do wish, and I'm, gl- I'm glad you mentioned it because it's, I've been thinking it for many years. One thing I do wish from a personal perspective as a fan of the Avalanche, um, but also just a hockey fan, if you're going to be a general manager, you can't be the quiet leader that you were when you were a captain, because you're 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 in the front office. You you're, have responsibility. You have responsibility to not only the organization but the fan base. Now yeah. it's not just okay. I'm Joe Sackick, and I can be that quiet type leader that I was in the locker room and win two Stanley Cups. This is this requires. Um, being a face of the organization, basically, and up until. Up until 1718, after the turnaround of the 48-point year and everything, not, it wasn't looking good, and there wasn't a whole lot that he was doing that, that you could applaud. And, it, and people were calling for his head, and arguably rightfully so, even though it, it's worked out when you, when he, when you refuse to communicate what you're doing you put yourself then you then you put yourself in the crosshairs because yeah. now it looks like you're you're tanking this team yeah. and i mean <laughs> it looked awful it looked be, and partly because it also means that that nobody has an answer of the direction early early on that 48 point year and the years since 1314 when they won the central and when they really stepped up with Patrick Waugh's coach and everything like that there have been questions because nobody knew what team they were. Were they a were they a big body grinding team? Were they a fast moving team? East, west, north, south, and Sack couldn't provide yeah, that answer. Oh, no, and you, and listen, then you bring yeah. in then you bring in Bednar. <laughs> but I will say this: then you bring in Bednar. Yeah, you trade Duchesne, you draft well, and now, you now we can sit back and say, okay, it was a rebuild. And okay, and a great now, one. now we have a direction. Now we know with Bednar and with everything that this is the type of game that the Avalanche play. Doesn't mean they can't play with with grit and size and and everything, but Not they play a north south up and down game. And now we know. But for basically since the '08 season, when they made the playoffs and and competed against San Jose in '08, it's been ten years of. What is this team doing? Who are we? Right? I I agree. So all you need... Listen, if they can tolerate a full meltdown and rebuild in Toronto, 
the fans in Colorado would have had no issue with this deal if somebody would have just stepped forward and says, here's what, here's what we're doing. Here's, here's the game plan. It's not that we don't know what we're, what we're going to do with this team. Here's the game plan. And that was the when problem you're out signing in... Rennie Bork and yeah, Johnny Mitchell the... and a bunch of great guys, but when your go-to guys uh, are, are PTOs, what, love, what are you telling your fan base? I love John Mitchell. Love oh, John I do Mitchell. too. I do he too. Is now, he's now transitioned, and congratulations to him. He's now back in Colorado. He's transitioned into um, calling games on the radio for the Avs and, and things like that, um, stepping back into it. And that's one of the things that's great about Denver and, and Colorado too is it's a place that players come back to. They love to finish up there and stay. I mean, look at uh, look at Hayduke, look at Foot, look at Sackick, look at um, John Michael Lyles is now back and he's working for Altitude doing right. uh, calling games and doing intermissions and John Mitchell's now doing radio and I mean, so it's a place that these players lo- love to come back to, retire to, mountains and skiing and hiking and, the, and youth hockey and these things. Weather. And, yep. and weather. Um, my criticisms and complaints about the youth hockey system aside it's a it's a great place for these families and but that was my problem from a personal perspective that was my problem with bringing in guys like Jerome Ginla, John Mitchell, Rene Bork and these guys is because what that tells us because you're not stepping up to the microphone what that tells us is you're trying to win now by bringing in a Ginla who can provide the leadership to bring to take you all the way. And that's not where they were now. No, that's, and it showed because not only did they still struggle, but then they had a 48 point season. And I mean, it still showed when you step up and you stop papering over things and you let people know what you're doing, people, fan bases can be a little more tolerable because common sense dictates that every team will go through a rebuild and the Avs will go through another one. Tell us what you're doing. In 10, 12 years, 8, 10, 12 years, the Avs will go through another one. Every team goes through it, yep. but you have to communicate it. So Agreed. But, and they, they, but, but they are, all that said, they I don't see any holes. And no. they are in a spot now and for the foreseeable future yep. to compete. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. The last, the, the last team... To close out this, Dallas, they're a team that everybody thinks will compete too at the top of the Central and the West. I'm a, I'm a fan of Jim Nill, great quality guy. I am a, a fan of, uh, of the coach from Colorado there. Um, Bedner. No, no, uh, the, the guy who came from DU, Monty. Montgomery, yep. yeah. Sorry, drew a blank there for a minute. Oh, um, sorry. Yeah, I thought you were re- referencing back to Colorado. Yeah, um, I was and, from Denver, and, Montgomery, Jim Montgomery. I'm, yeah, I absolutely. I if I'm if I'm building a team from scratch, Jamie Ben is one of the first guys I grab. <clears throat> I like the Pavelski pickup. Tyler Sagan is um, is at the top of the game. Radulov. Rupe Hints is, is Rupe Hints is has been fantastic. Uh, They've, you know, they picked up what they got Corey Perry at the mini now for as a depth guy. Blake Como, they've got some guys that can play there. Radulov, for the first time in his 33 years, is playing his heart out. And, and, uh, and Cogliano, another guy that I'm a huge fan of, who I won't go into his, uh, 
his Ironman streak again, but very, very solid player in the middle, in, in the middle of the depth anyway. And on defense, maybe as good of a young defense as you can find around Lindell, Klingberg, uh, Sekera, Miro Heiskanen, Taylor Fadoon. They picked up, uh, just signed Julius Honka. Uh, I, you know, this is a well-built team and fairly sturdy in goal if they can keep Ben Bishop healthy. This is a team that you just can't, you can't put your finger on. If they're the Dallas Stars of March and April, they're good. If they're the Dallas Stars of November, December, mm-hmm. they're a lottery team. So which which team is going to take the ice at night? Yep. Who who have you who are you going to see? Uh, you know they've they do a they've done a nice job and they're they're built to win right now. They're not by any means young. They've only got one. Heiskin is the only guy really impact player under the age of 25 or 26 in the entire roster. So they're, they're built to win right now. Next this year, next year, while, while these guys are still in their, their, the, the prime of their career between 28 and 32. So I like them. I, I think they want to see which Dallas stars team takes the ice just as much as everybody else does. Consistent effort is all you want to see out of these guys. But when they, when they've got it, they're as good as anyone. Agreed. Agreed. What's their pipeline look like, though? Do they have anybody coming up other than guys that are already there, like Hens and Heiskanen? Well, they're they're not empty as far as game breakers. Uh, guys coming along like a, you know, like like we talk about Bowen Byram and and uh, and guys like that that you can see that at at some point they're going to be huge. Yeah, they don't have. They don't because they don't have those top ten picks every year. So those guys, those impact players coming out of junior that you know are can't miss guys, they don't have those guys because they've been drafting in the middle and the bottom of the round for quite a long time. So a little tough to evaluate their pipeline. You can't look through this minor league system uh, and of their recent draft picks and say, boy, here's a guy, here's a can't miss. I don't see a lot of absolute can't miss guys here actually Annie. Yeah. So, well, where do we see him falling? In well, central? I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that, that they are, uh, they're going to be right on the heels of, you know, they probably won't scare Colorado, but they're going to be somebody that could win. Yeah. You know, they might be, they should be better than a wild card team yep. in the West. Well, I'll, let's run through the seven teams where they'll finish. You, you, uh, you let me know if you agree with where where <laughs> I have them finishing. Uh, All right, seven Minnesota. Yep, agreed. Uh, six is probably going to be. Uh, see, this is hard. Six is probably going to be. Um, probably Winnipeg. That's. I was going to say. I hate to say this, but the Jets have got to really. They've got to really get it together to get out of the basement of that division. Five, Chicago. Yep. Four is probably, let's see, four. Four, Nashville. Agreed. Fourth place, Nashville. Third, Dallas. Second, Colorado. You think so? They're not quite ready yet. We'll see. See, 
for for everybody to know. I'm go on. I'm trying to be objective here because oh because I I get the stink guy sometimes if I get a little too personable and too personal with it of 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 these things. So I'm trying to not show any favoritism by saying second. However, it's not working. If I'm going per if I'm going if I'm not only going personal, but if I'm going objective too, because I do think it's objective, I think they stay healthy and they be, and their uh, secondary production st- steps through like I'm sure it will based on offseason acquisitions. Colorado's first place in the Central, with St. Louis being second. Yep. But I think I think to be. To be fair and go back to the objectivity, I think it's St. Louis, Colorado that can go one, two either way. St. Louis, Colorado, I I got to put Dallas in that mixture. I I don't know. It depends. You know, I just I really like the way that team's put together, and and I still have questions in. I still have questions about Grubauer, as awesome as he was last year, and as good as Jordan Bennington was last year. Can they sustain that? They're they're still, even though even though Bennington's won a cup, I we're still talking about a fifty game career. So I just want to see more, and I'm rooting for him. I hope he does it, but I want to see more. I think they do too, for sure. But yeah, I I agree with you overall. I you know it's it's going to be a toss up in in Dallas, Nashville, maybe the Blues, maybe even Chicago can jump in and, and scare people into the wild card. I don't know. It's but that's every division's the same way. There's some pretty clear cut quality. There's some clear cut struggle. And there's a whole bunch of teams in the middle that are looking for a bounce, a hot goaltender. You and uh, goaltending. Yeah, you gotta have it. You, of course you do, but you and goaltending because <laughs> our anybody who knows us knows our our everybody's favorite Ducks fan and you have been going at it over your personal feelings over John Gibson, oh, who's proven to be an NHL goaltender, but you still <laughs> seem to question him. And now, now nobody can see us because we we don't do these on video. But I'm I'm giving you the look for for saying anything about Grubauer. <laughs> look, he he absolutely stood tall last year, won the number one job. He's got it going into this year, and I hope the Franku's kid is is coming along right behind him. Uh, I, You know what? I question everybody's goaltending. I question, well, we talked already about Mrazek being one. I, ben Bishop was a Vesna finalist last year, but can he can he keep the lug nuts from falling off? Kerry uh, Price, already injured in the preseason. I mean, these are great goaltenders, but until, until the end of the year is there and they've been there all year long playing their playing their to their potential you gotta wonder i don't know i just you know why i point to goaltending because it gives me an out i can say this team is great uh, as long as they get goaltending so then when somebody comes along in april and says i thought you said these guys were going to be good i can say well yeah but they didn't get the goaltending so what am i supposed to do so basically you're being now the the <laughs> i'm hedging the, now you're the the people that that draw that are the reason why my brother, your son, who's a goaltender, your wife and my mother being a goaltender's mom, you're being the person that those people don't like. Yes. Because now you're the person that puts every 
puts every win on the goaltender and puts every loss on the goaltender, which no. may or may not be justified. Let me clarify. Let me clarify. Goaltenders get too much blame. They often get too much credit. You've got to you've got to have a good team playing in front of them. A guy a guy might only face twenty two shots in a night. But if eight of them are from the inside hash marks and he, and three of them are rebounds, then it's not his game. It's not his. It's not his issue. You got a defense problem. So, yes, you got to have solid goaltending. But you, when you've got a guy playing behind a great defensive team, behind a Boston Bruins, uh, you know, behind the New York Islanders, goaltending looks maybe a little better than it really is. And you got a, a guy like Frederick Anderson sometimes or or years ago, uh, guys in, in in places that were struggling like Chicago or, or Toronto, facing 40, 45 shots a night and, and not having good seasons. It's not it's not because of goaltending. The team stinks in front of you. So yes and no. Well that concludes our tour around the NHL, covering all divisions, all teams. This coming week, what are we looking forward to? Uh, BCHL Showcase next week, um, as well as the kickoff to the NHL season. Yes, that's going to be finally uh, going to be fun. I I really hope now that Marner and Point are in. I really hope that Kachuk and Rantman uh, and Liney and Connor all get signed. I really would hate to see the league start without them. I know the teams don't want to start without them, but I want to see that get done. Very eager to get to uh, to get to Chilliwack and and see the all every team in BCHL. Uh, we will see them in four days. Going to see a lot of great talent there and have some fun. Yep, exciting. Uh, anyways, thank you for tuning in for another episode of War Room the Hockey Podcast. Our listeners are the driving force behind what we do. We can't thank you enough for tuning in. Please head to Facebook, give us a like. Instagram, give us a follow. And head to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and a review. Hit the subscribe button so you can be alerted to new episodes which come out every single week. Uh, Thank you for joining the studio. Any old time. I'm always happy to be here. And also, on the basis of that, head to Breakaway Brewing. Give us a round. Give us a salute. Give us a tip. There's always something new coming out. (laughs) Agreed. Anyways, I'm Evan Rauer with Warm the Hockey Podcast, and I look forward to seeing you all throughout the hockey community. Cheers. Cheers.